Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today is Brooke Masters, our Chief Regulation Correspondent, and Daniel Schaefer, Investment Banking Correspondent. This week, we take a look at job cuts across investment banks, the latest in the LIBOR rate-fixing scandal, and with a month to go until the Likkonen review is due to be completed, it looks like consensus is emerging that Europe's big banks could be forced to ring-fence their trading assets. First, though, to the question of job cuts. Daniel, you've been looking at the prospect for the next few months, whether the global banks, but particularly those that are operating in out of Europe are facing another round of uh, of cuts to their investment banking operations, given the tough times that that sector's having. It looks like there's a particular focus this week on Barclays and Deutsche Bank, not specifically necessarily on direct job cuts there, but just changes in strategy directionally. I think and that's really the big theme right now. What we had since the financial crisis was that, that all banks have cut across the board, and they've cut with a very broad brush jobs in in every business line uh, but what we're now seeing is at, at Barclays as well as Deutsche Bank is that new management has come in at, at Barclays there's there's Anthony Jenkins who is taking over as CEO and at Deutsche Bank there's Andrew Jane Jürgen Fitchen who have taken over this year as well um, as co-CEOs and they are all looking uh, doing a strategic strategic review and they're all looking at reshaping the banks that they work for and, and adapting it to, to an environment that is much much different to what it used to be a few years ago an environment where there's um, a lot of regulatory pressure to get out of some certain business areas because it consumes too much capital but also a lot of revenue pressure in the sense that some, some of the markets in investment banking in particular aren't where they used to be and they're, they're just at, not only at a cyclical low but also what some say at, at structural lows and they're, they're, they will change um, dramatically over time Now do you think we're going to get different responses from these two banks I mean they're, they're probably the closest peers that you get among the European banks they both have fairly large investment banks as part of the overall group. They're both traditionally strong in the fixed income business. But interestingly, they now are following different paths in terms of their senior management. So we've just had Anthony Jenkins, the former head of retail banking at Barclays, taking over as CEO. Whereas at Deuter, as you say, Anshu Jain, generally regarded to be the kind of uh, top dog in a kind of co-chief executive structure alongside Jürgen, Jürgen Fitchen and, and Anshu Jain was previously the head of investment banking. So are we going to see in the announcements over the next couple of days a kind of directional switch in favour of more investment banking or uh, at Deutsche and basically away from investment banking at Barclays or is that horribly simplistic? I think it would be slightly too simplistic. Um, What we'll see, I think, at both banks is that both will actually stress the universal banking model, which they both have. So so, uh, both 
Anthony Jenkins has said that he wants to make to keep the investment bank as an integral part of of, of Barclays, and uh, unlike what people have speculated, is that um, he he has now said very clearly, he made it very clear that he doesn't want to break up of the bank or or even get out of big areas in investment banking. Yeah, and I think Deutsche Bank is going to do something similar, but there it's 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 sort of the role is has. It's the opposite. It's, it's Andrew Jane, an investment banker, mm. stressing how much he likes retail banking and how much Im- how important retail banking is for the future of the bank. So he's, you know, he he has to give the impression that he doesn't want to, you know, gear the the the, the model too too much towards investment banking. And and one last thing, I think where where there will be quite a lot of differences is Barclays is much stronger from a capital perspective, whereas Deutsche has got a big capital issue and uh, where investors will be looking at. Um, quite closely, and whether whether they want more answers from from the management in how they will be able to to build up their capital faster than they've done in the past. And to come back to where we started, you know, you you last week did a big analysis of the, the prospect for job cuts across the industry. Do you expect there to be substantial job cuts uh, in addition to what we already know about at Barclays and at Deutsche, or indeed at any other big banks over the coming months? I think, yeah, I think we'll see much more than we have already seen. Uh, Deutsche has already announced that they're going to cut 1,900 jobs. So and they've they begun might, that process, haven't they, in yeah, the past yeah. few days, actually? Yeah. And they might hint at areas where they, where they, where they will get get out of over time but i don't think they're going to come up with a big next headline number now in the next few days so so um we're not going to see that but definitely the new strategy will lead to further job cuts eventually and i think that the same is going to happen at barclays eventually when anthony jenkins has said he's only going to reveal the new strategy in the, in the, in the first quarter and i think what he will say is because there will be certain uh, business units, maybe not big business lines, but certain business units where, it, where, where which they will get out of uh, because of reputational issues, for instance, yeah. and that will lead to jobs being lost eventually as well. Yes, so this is a this is generally a theme that's going to run for uh, some months, I suspect at, at Barclays at least. Yes, we should move on to our second topic: the ongoing LIBOR scandal. Of course, Barclays uh, kind of almost triggered this whole coverage of this story back in June when it settled for £219 million in a deal with global regulators over its alleged manipulation of the LIBOR benchmark borrowing rate. Now, we wrote a story last week, Brooke, that RBS was shaping up, or at least being they were braced to pay a similar amount in a deal with, with regulators around the world. Although one of the things that we interestingly found out was that they won't probably be able to do a global deal in one fell swoop with all these regulators. Instead, it's likely to be staggered over some considerable time, partly because uh, the cooperation between different regulators, for political reasons, seems to have broken down somewhat. So we maybe get, we're going to get something before Christmas with uh, certain regulators, including maybe the UK regulators, but then uh, it could drag on for quite some time after that what what is this uh is this bad news do you think for banks if that is the way that things go even if you know ultimately that it's going to be a similar size deal to Barclays well obviously the, there will be dribs and drabs of bad news if that's how it goes mm. the upside for the banks is as it trickles out the cl- the class action shareholder lawsuits will have less grounds to go after the banks because the the share price won't drop as much because basically you can only 
get money back if the share price really tanks. And so if it's okay, so bit- this is the second uh, thrust, if you like, of action. So in Barclays' case, for example, we've had the regulatory settlement, but we still have ongoing private civil lawsuits from disaffected shareholders. And obviously, in every bank's case, we would have the same twin kind of process. Absolutely. And the more settlements there are over more time, the less impact each settlement has. I mean, to a certain extent, if you drag it out over three or four years, the banks that settle four years from now, no one will even care, um, unless it's an enormous number. And so if it's lots of smaller settlements... Maybe it's not such a bad thing. The problem right now is whoever's next, no matter how big or small it is, is going to get an enormous amount of press. And RBS may be braced for it, but I don't think they want to go next. And I don't get the sense that UK wants them to go next because that implies it's a British problem. So there's a kind of a logjam. Nobody wants to be the next one to get everybody's attention. And who, Daniel, is kind of, apart from RBS, who we know is one of the ones that's kind of braced, um, who else is kind of in the in the lineup, if you like, to be uh, to be next? Going forward from here, uh, I think I mean w- one of the ones that have been rumored could be Deutsche Bank, which um, has got a seems to have a slightly more limited problem in terms of library, at least if we can believe the disclosures that we've seen. Yeah. Um, so they might be the, the one one of the next ones, maybe to to settle this year, and maybe even ahead of RBS. Um, yeah. They, and then of course they, there's UBS as well, isn't there? Yeah. Which, uh, I think they were the first to disclose. Yeah. Maybe inter- even a couple in, of years. Yeah. Ago. Interestingly, UBS was um, one of the first to disclose, and it actually d- 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 in some parts like like a whistleblower, and they they got conditional leniency on, on a number of these issues uh, from from the US um, authorities in particular, but also from the Canadian ones on some of the antitrust issues. And But interestingly, they seem to be not definitely not the first in line to settle next, yeah. but maybe even some of the last ones in line, because mm. partly because of or mainly because they cooperate. And uh, so so they help the authorities um, now in, in 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 dealing with the other banks, if you would say, if you want. So so there isn't really now a reason why they should settle now. Well, um, I guess uh, that'll be some cold comfort for the Swiss Bank, given the the troubles that they've had over the past couple of years, and indeed the <laughs> ongoing uh, issues that they've got in court uh, with their uh, their alleged rogue trader Quico Adabuli yeah. uh, in court this week. Indeed, it, it's going to be. Um, I mean, for for UBS, it would just be. It, it would just be dramatic to have Quaco at the Bolly trial uh, going on with with a lot of you know bad press about about the bank and about you know the banking culture etc. emerging from it, and at the same time being the one the next one to settle yeah, uh, on on LIBOR, that, which is, yeah I mean that would yeah would be too much <laughs> even for them. <laughs> Final topic for today: we should um, look at this issue of how structurally Europe's big banks could be forced to change themselves um, in future. Brooke, this is the the Likkonen review, which has been known about for several months. I think it was last November that the European Commission asked for this process to take place, a review headed by Erki Likkonen, the uh, head of the Finnish Central Bank, and comprising a, a panel of experts, basically to look at how global banks should, or, or rather European banks should be restructured, whether they should follow in any way the restructuring that has been ordered in the UK along the lines of the Vickers Commission proposals, and similarly the Volcker proposals in the US. It seems like they're making some headway. It sounds like it. Uh, reports are that the last set of meetings 
meetings were there seems to be a consensus emerging that something should be done to protect retail banking from potential losses in trading. But rather than do it the UK way where they have ring-fenced retail with extra capital, the, op- the opposite would happen, that basically trading would be sent off in its own little closet with its own little own assets to absorb losses. And there and it's not a bad alternate view. It's a little bit like Volcker, which says no prop trading. Yeah. Uh, it's, le- it's less uh, extreme, which makes sense because many of the European universal banks have been sort of trying to scoop up some of the prop trading that the American banks are going to have to let go of. Now, it's not clear yet what the detail would be around this, but one suggestion that I heard from a senior banker last week was that perhaps if total trading assets accounted for more than 5% of the balance sheet, then that that bank would be forced to hive off the trading business into a separate subsidiary, which would be presumably capitalised at a higher level. How disruptive would that be, Daniel, do you think, to the European banks and which banks you know, would be most affected? The most affected banks, I guess, would be definitely Deutsche Bank, which has got one of the biggest trading operations and is, you know, is, is a big, very big, one of the leading global fixed income trading houses. So, so they, I guess, they would be hit the most. And then, but also the French banks, yeah, which have got you know big trading in equity derivatives, uh, etc. So, so they, 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 I think the the French and the German banks would really be the yeah. Hit it depends the most. where they draw the threshold, yeah. I guess. And uh, Brooke, do you th- see this as a uh, a danger? I think it's it's problematic. Obviously, every all of these banks have been organized on group treasury lines and group capital lines, and the French and, and French banks and Deutsche in particular have always you know, prided themselves in keeping everything very integrated, as opposed to say some of the Spanish banks, which have deliberately set capital in for different parts of their organization. I think the other thing is I think some of this is very much up in the air because like where you draw that line it's make, crucial. is yeah. crucial and it may in fact be critical to get support. And I suspect just on the anecdotal basis of a trip I uh, made to Paris last week and speaking to some French bankers, there doesn't seem to be a huge level of concern there, even though I sense that they are fairly up to speed on where the debate is at uh, at the Lickenden panel. So I don't know, maybe maybe this won't be quite so damning as, as it might be. The other question is, is it going to be just prop trading or it, you know, will there be a market making exception the way there I is a Volcker? Because that's critical for many of these banks. My sense is that market making is actually where they do have concerns, that there is in some cases artificially large market making operations that almost liquidity uh, in certain areas is excessive um, and that these banks are the risks in these banks are built up because of the inventory that they're they're holding and maybe you know there's a desire among the regulators to constrain that somewhat which obviously wouldn't go down very well with market participants with the investor base yeah given that there's a lot of complaining about lack of liquidity in many markets uh, particularly the the tougher to value assets, we will certainly hear the same sort of shrieking we've heard about Volcker, yeah. uh, but this time from the Europeans. The tension between regulators and investors goes on. That's all for this week. Unfortunately, all that's left for me to do is to thank Brooke and Daniel for their contributions and to thank you for listening. Remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com slash banking. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.